0: Welcome to another episode of the Impulse Forum, where imagination, education, and inspiration meet to create enterprise. I'm your host, Mark Valadez, and I'm here with the director of the Impulse Forum, Kevin Colton.
1: Hey, Mark, and good afternoon and all other times to all those who are pursuing the pulse, whether you are a high school student or a longtime business professional chasing after that burst of imagination, combined with the creative drive to fulfill your true purpose, a purpose by intrinsic design.
0: Yes, and today we have a very special guest with us and a real influencer in the business community here on the Central Coast, Jocelyn Brennan. Jocelyn is the president of the South County Chambers of Commerce. Welcome to the podcast, Jocelyn.
2: Thank you, Mark and Kevin. I'm so excited to be here. So thank you again
1: for coming on the program, Jocelyn. Um, When I think about a high school or college student stuck at home or in some online class, wondering how they're going to get from where they are now to some successful vocation or career, I know that you are a voice to be heard at such a time as this.
2: Well, thanks. I appreciate that. And um, I'm, I'm excited to share a little bit, but it would probably surprise most of your students to know that, you know, a lot of times uh, they're pursuing a linear path. And what I've learned is that your path uh, to success is never linear. It zigzags, it goes up and down. It sometimes goes in circles. And um, I think sometimes when you're in high school, you think that it's going to be linear. It's one thing after the next until you get to this great career this great milestone and oftentimes it's not like that it's like that for some people um but i think the majority of people have a really different experience than that so i'm happy to share all that i've learned along that uh, path
1: I'm really excited to uh, kind of hear the background of how you got where you are now. Just, uh, I, I mean, we, our kids have been friends for years, so I know a little bit about your your story. And, but I'm looking forward to hearing kind of the comprehensive version. And, and uh, so, so when you're in high school, the start or go back as far as you want. But what were your interests, hobbies, passions, talents as a young person, as a teenager?
2: Yeah, I think my. Um Passions were probably similar to a lot of high school girls. It was really just having fun, seeing my friend and boys. That's all I cared about, to be honest. Um, but I do remember I was thinking about this question because I knew it was coming here today. And I did take a life skills class. And I don't know if they still offer that in high schools. but um, And I'm not really sure what the class was about. I don't remember anything except for they did take us have us take an assessment. And I remember I loved to do volunteer work, um, even at that age. And so I took this assessment test and it came back saying that I would be a grant writer. And I thought, "That's so strange. What even is a grant writer? I had no idea what that was. And so my teacher told me a little bit about what you know, grant writers do, and basically they help find funding for nonprofit profits and volunteers and service work and things like that. And so here I am later, you know, midlife, and I realized that test wasn't actually that far off because a lot of what I do is community work still. And so so there's some value in taking, you know, some self-assessment tests like that. And there's so many free ones on the Internet. And I do think that sometimes you can at least uh, get a ballpark of where your strengths and weaknesses are. And that one seemed to be pretty accurate at the time.
1: Did anybody else speak to that in your life?
2: Well, yeah, it's funny. So my, I guess it would have been my freshman year in high school, I met um, someone who got me involved with um, Special Olympics. And so I volunteered for Special Olympics that summer and had the best time with that group of people and, and just loved it. And the parents came to me. Now, here I am, just a freshman in high school. But they came to me and said, you know, now summer, we were going into summer. And they said a lot of, um, you know, other kids go off to summer camp. But there's nothing in our area for our kids um, that have developmental disabilities. There's nothing for them to do really in the summer. There's no summer camp. So me and a couple of the teachers and a couple of the other high school schoolers started something called Special Camp for Special Kids, and it was a huge success, and it was so much fun. So we paired a high schooler with a developmentally disabled young person, and they hung out every day for a week, and we went to Knott's Berry Farm, we went to the beach, we just went and did all these activities. We got it completely sponsored and underwritten. And so it kept going for several years, and when I graduated high school, they asked me to stay on as the executive director, and I said, no, I should probably go to college. And I moved up here, and I kind of forgot all about it. Honestly, I didn't keep in touch with everyone, and when I was applying for this job at this chamber, I just Googled it, and it's still going.
0: Wow. Yeah,
2: and so I, I couldn't believe it. I need to call them and say, hey, I want to go visit it and check it out, but I couldn't believe that it was still going. And they have like a full time staff now, and it's like, you know, this really successful program. And for those families, it probably means so much. So that was kind of my first job, I guess you could say. Yeah.
1: That's pretty remarkable.
0: Wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really awesome to be involved in something like that from the very beginning. Right. And just thinking, yeah, okay, well, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> for, for it to years later, um, keep. Keep going on.
2: Yeah, and I I shouldn't say I forgot about it, but I just assumed that probably—I just hadn't kept kept track of it, but it was always something I was really proud of helping start. So when I thought about putting it on my resume, I was just really looking to see what year was that that we started that, not thinking that it would still be going. And then I found this full website all about it, and um, so I was really pleased to see that.
0: Wow.
1: One of the working philosophies we have with the Impulse Form is that you discover these things as a as a young person, as a child, that mm-hmm. it's resident within you. And I think that speaks to something pretty profound, actually.
2: Yeah, I, like if you would have asked me, or if you'd asked any of my teachers even, I don't think they would have said I was like the responsible person that all these children should be, you know, in my care when I was only probably 15 years old at the time. I think I could drive, so I must have been 16. Um, but I sort of just fell into this leadership role and am and r- rose to the occasion, I guess you could say, just because I enjoyed it so much, and then that's kind of been my story ever since. Hmm. So yeah.
0: So, along the way, so what were your formative experiences that shaped your convictions? You know, the wins and the losses, and and how did these set you up um, to do what you're doing now?
2: Yeah, well, I guess that was definitely one of them. Um, when I moved up here, I got really involved in full-time ministry. And so I'm starting to see a pattern of I just like to help people. Um, and that um, eventually got me into public service at, in government. And it's it's still helping people. It's just in a civic way. So I guess those that first experience, even with the camp, was my first um, job, so to speak, and r- I really just fell in love with helping people and so that's you know what I've done ever since and and continue to do. Um, so I guess that first experience I would say was probably the most formative. Um, but of course I learned a ton in in full-time ministry and uh, ran a children's program for five years with I think when I started we had like probably 50 kids and when I left we had 250. so um, so I guess there's a, a pattern of, uh, helping people and also starting things that grow, mm-hmm. and um, and there's nothing more rewarding than that. Like, I, like there's never a dull moment, especially when things are growing. That you just, I mean, I just find that so exciting. Yeah.
1: So I was thinking, because um, the next question is. Uh, taking on this new position, you Mm -hmm. know, but I was realizing I I didn't, maybe, why don't you tell our listeners what the Chamber of Commerce does?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm happy to explain that because a lot of times people have no idea what a Chamber of Commerce does, or they think it's some form of government assistance. But what a Chamber of Commerce is, is really a membership organization. So our chamber has about 700 members, and we represent South San Luis Obispo County, three unincorporated areas and three cities. We, we say we define South San Luis Obispo County as Avila to Napomo, but we have a lot of San Maria members as well, and SLO. Um, but what we're here to do, our mission, is to create partnerships and opportunities that ensure businesses prosper. And so... Uh, A lot of businesses have different needs. Some of them just have networking needs. They want to meet other business people. Um, Some businesses have the need for uh, just, you know, actual foot traffic. Maybe they're a retailer and they just want to get people in their door. Um, Some businesses have the need for advocacy to fight for businesses. Um, You know, in in every area that you are, voters outnumber business owners. And so we're always having the back of businesses. We're always there to, to be the voice of business. So... In a way, you know, it's, it's similar to what I've always done is we're helping businesses. We're, we have a lot of nonprofit members, so we help them as well because they're really businesses too at the end of the day. And so I've always found that really rewarding, but now because of COVID, I find that even more rewarding. And um, there has not been a dull moment this year. I mean, we're hearing from businesses that have been members for 40 years and they've never called our office before and now they're all calling and we've had tears. I mean, we've had—it's been pretty intense for the business community, and it's an honor and a pliv- privilege to serve them during this really tough time. So how I ended up here is I um, worked for the Board of Supervisors, and then I worked for our, our local assemblymen, and I started working on a lot of policy things with businesses. And I, that was when I first learned what really what chambers do. Um I worked for Assemblyman Cunningham, and it was his first year. And he said, "I think as the district director, you need to go to all the chamber annual dinners." And so, I'm still mad at him about that because I'm pretty sure I gained ten pounds and still haven't lost it. <laughs> that was four years ago, um, but anyway, so I got to meet all the chambers and see the business communities in you know different parts of our region, see all the important work that they do, and how they're really you know the heartbeat of our local communities. It, this is where people are employed. They, these are the this is the workforce. And so um, I really enjoyed getting to know all of them, and then I found out that there was an opening because Judith Bean had been the CEO at the um, Aurora Grande Grover Beach Chamber for 13 years and um, was retiring. And so here I am, three, three years later. and it's been cra- it's been a crazy ride.
1: <laughs> so it's been three years. That was one of my questions. How, how long has it been? It's been yeah. yeah, it's been really exciting. Um, I knew that it was going you were gonna bring really good changes to the community, but when you, when we you united all those chambers together, that was super mm-hmm. incredible for the business community because you had all these isolated s- smaller chambers right. of commerce that weren't.
2: Well, and a lot of people don't you know understand the chamber, they are nonprofits. And so when they're really small and they're just serving a small business community, You know, they only can do so much. You know, a lot of chambers um, have maybe one staff person or maybe all volunteer. And so we started in AG and then we merged with the Grover Beach Chamber and then we merged with the Nipomo Chamber. And now I think each of those areas feel like they have a a more, you know, um, functioning um, full time chamber than they did before because we were just able to pool our resources and and consolidate a lot of those efforts. So, and I think what the other benefit that it's brought is that it's really united. South County as a business community because you know we have so many small cities, you know, we've got or communities. We've got Napomo and we've got Grover and Royo, and Pismo and Oceano and even Avila. Like they're all so small. But when you put us together, that's about the population of the population is about seventy thousand people in South San Luis Obispo County. So then you really have a seat at the table for some of these big policy decisions when you're representing that big of a region. But if you just came and you're just representing one of the little cities, you don't have as much of a voice. So that's been another benefit, too, is I think it's really put uh, South County, you know, just more uh, more of a voice in these important conversations that are going on right now for our region.
1: So that's... uh what were the objectives that you had? Was that one of the main objectives you had coming in As and what other objectives that you, did you have when you took over as presidents? How have they changed? Mm-hmm. Would have uh, would have stayed the same?
2: Yeah, I, it, it definitely because I had been working on, you know, the Board of Supervisors on a countywide level and then for assemblymen on a um, on more of a regional level because the assembly district is all of Slow County and northern Santa Barbara County. Um, so that was just the perspective I brought to the role. So it, it just made a lot of sense to me to consolidate. So that was definitely one of the objectives. Um, one of the other objectives was to start a leadership program, which I planned to do maybe like a year or two in or maybe three years in after I like, you know, kind of got a few years under my belt. But at, when I started, our chairman was Sean Schur, and he was really passionate about the leadership program. He's like, no, we're going to start it this year. And so if he hadn't said that, I don't know that we would have gotten it so started so soon, but I'm really glad that he pushed me because we're now on year three. We're on leadership class three and applications are open right now. And um, that is one of the things that I am most proud of that we do is really raise up that next generation of leaders. So it's a year long um, leadership development program. It's one Friday a month. And um, a lot of them, a lot of programs are canceled right now because of COVID, but we decided to keep ours going. And so it's sort of a hybrid. Half of it um, is virtual and half of it's in person. Like they do field trips and tours and um, it starts in January. So anyways, that was one of my objectives, but it wasn't necessarily an objective to do it like right away. Um, What's
1: the average age of people involved in the program? You know, program?
2: It, it is geared towards raising the next generation of leaders. But I would say so far in class one and class two, about half of the class are are you know under 30 and the other half of the class are over 40 you know so so and it's really great because the these younger business people learn so much from the older business people and the older business people really enjoy being part of that dynamic and so it's really a mix it's open to everyone i mean i think we had someone right now in class two that i think was i think in their 60s late 60s probably so um, so is there
1: minimum age
2: uh the minimum age I guess would be 18 really? only because we you know go and do s- some fun things like ropes courses and <laughs> you know, so um but we have we have um we have some young 20s I guess is probably the youngest that we've had so far
1: So if a student college or high school is mm-hmm. looking for a path to move forward and what they're pursuing that would be a good
2: it would. Yeah. Route to go. Yeah. In fact, it would start them off with just such a successful t- trajectory because you meet all these successful people. You meet all the elected officials. I mean, it's somebody said it's like, you know, speed dating the county because and I don't even know what speed dating is. really, So I don't know. Why I keep repeating that. But it um, it's it's a way to get to know um, all the different industry sectors, all the big Decision makers and all the like successful business leaders um, in a matter of you know one year, and normally you wouldn't necessarily have access to all those people or programs, but you have it through the leadership program.
1: Is there a cost?
2: There is a cost, so it is, and uh, so Marty Imes is our executive director. And if you haven't met Marty, he is just a ray of sunshine and wonderful. He's the perfect leader to lead a leadership program. Um, So he could probably answer these questions better than me. But I'm going to say the cost is $1,200. And that includes several meals. And we're hoping that we can do a retreat at the end. So normally it starts with a retreat at the beginning, a weekend retreat at this beautiful cabin. Um, But, of course, we can't do that in January because of COVID. So we're hoping to do it at the end more like as a graduation retreat. Um, And so it includes the cost of the retreat as well.
0: So what keeps you... What keeps you motivated, Jocelyn? What keeps you inspired to keep going?
2: That's a great question. Well, obviously, my faith is the number one thing that keeps me going and, and motivated at, at the end of the day. But um, right now in my current role, I would say that what keeps me motivated is I just have, you know, I just have a heart for the businesses. Um, I already did because they're sort of the salt of the earth, you know, they the business owners, um, especially in the community like ours where we don't have, you know, a lot of big corporations or any big employers like that, our small businesses are um the hardest working people you'll meet. And they're providing jobs and they love their employees like family. You know, they're just great people. So that was always motivating for me. But I think now, um, with COVID nineteen and all the impacts that has had to businesses and all the restrictions they've had to, you know, you can open, now you have to close, now now you can reopen and then You know, as we're sitting here today, the governor just announced another regional stay-at-home order, and so you know, the businesses are—they're exhausted and um, they're frustrated and they're really worried about their future if they're going to actually be able to make it through this or have to close their business possibly. So that motivates me. You know, this year everyone's been saying to me, "I can't believe how much the chamber is doing. You must be so exhausted." And I'm like, "Well, I'm not any more exhausted than any of our business owners. So I'm not going to slow down because they're not slowing down." So, yeah, so that really keeps me um, motivated. And I just love our community. So, the longest I've ever lived everywhere, anywhere. I've moved around a lot as a kid, and I've been on the Central Coast my entire adult life. So, I just love this community. And, you know, I care about it.
1: Great. How have you had to, I mean, name a couple ways you've had to adapt with this?
2: Yeah, well, you can appreciate this. So I had never, ever used Zoom before. And our very first time that we did a webinar was with a small business administration and COVID-19 had just um, been announced and the businesses had just found out um, about closures and things like that. And they had also found out about the Economic Injury Disaster Loan and the Payroll Protection Program. And so our very first webinar was with the... SBA. And so I had never used Zoom before. And that first webinar, I think we had like 350 people on it. And I really didn't honestly know what I was doing. <laughs> so,
1: I think uh, I was on that one.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm thankful that it, yeah, it, it actually, went it, it went fine. Yeah. So then I, you know, so then we quickly pivoted and we did a webinar every single week. We did Wednesday webinars um, where our staff is working remotely. I think the hardest part is that a lot of what the chamber provides is this business-to-business interaction, like mixers and networking events. And so, you know, we haven't been able to do that in person, but I've been really surprised because people are still participating online, and a lot of our things that we do, we record. So normally, we would always do a monthly luncheon, and we'd have, like, on a low day, we'd have 80 people. On a big day, we'd have 150. But, you know, we always had somewhere around in that 100 range. Well, now when we do these webinars, we might have, you know, 60 to 80 people still participating on the webinar, but then the recording sometimes has 6 or 700 views. So in a way, you know, I miss seeing everyone in person, but it's kind of opened up this whole new group of people that maybe weren't able to make it to a mixer or couldn't get away to come to the luncheon, and so they watch the recording, you know, on the weekend or in the evening or whenever their schedule allows. And so, you know, when we do get back to normal, I think we'll do some things as hybrids, you know, maybe our lunch is going to be live streamed, you know, or something. I don't know how we'll do it. But um, so those are some of the ways we've had to pivot. And, you know, of course, the chamber has been impacted because we uh, run on membership, annual memberships. And so, you know, some businesses, I think seven, we just did a survey, 7% of our businesses are still closed. And 37% of them are only open in a limited capacity, so a lot of them aren't able to pay their chamber memberships right now. So of course that impacts us as well. We've had some amazing um, sponsors come along. We have a program called MVP Most Va- No Member Valuing Peers. I almost said Most Valuable Player. <laughs> Got my sports analogy coming. Uh, and they sponsored forty. We had eight businesses collectively sponsor forty other businesses to be able to join the chamber. So it's just ironic that right when the businesses need us the most is when they can't can't afford a membership. So we're, we're trying to, you know, make that work for, for all the businesses who need help, need assistance. But yeah, I would say the main way we've pivoted is just a lot of Zoom, a lot of virtual.
1: And so you're seeing, you're seeing the fallout, you're seeing, and so what's the, mo- so what's the most encouraging thing that you've seen from all of, as far as your positions like, and how is the community coming together and
2: yeah well it's interesting how are they functioning through this yeah as as a chamber i've always seen how the businesses are interconnected but i don't know that the businesses have always seen that so we've done like a series of round tables we did a manufacturing round table and some of these manufacturers this was a specifically for the city of grover beach some of these manufacturers have been in grover beach you know 30 40 years and they didn't know each other so we're trying to pull those industries together so that we can help them advocate um, and so that we can help retain them. You know, we don't want to see any of those businesses close. We did a construction roundtable as well. Um, we, we've seen how um, businesses, especially like the restaurant industry, the salon industry, the gyms, how they've really pulled together as a group um, to help, you know, advocate at the state level to, um, to be able to stay, you know, to stay operational. But then, you know, there's been other really cool things like our leadership program. I was really proud of them. Class two, they raised money and did um, coffee breaks for grocery workers. So they raised enough money to do like a coffee gift card for every grocery worker. And then each grocery store could pick one person from their team to have a staycation at one of the hotels in Pismo. And then um, and then they also did something. They raised money for – they called it Feed the Night Shift because what was happening was at the hospitals, because of the closures, um, normally when they would do their – you know, if they work at night, they would go, um, like, either early morning or late at night, do their errands, either before or after work. But everything was closed because of COVID, and so they were having a hard time figuring that out. So the leadership class raised money – and brought them all dinner to the hospital, um, which they fully appreciated. And, you know, like the MVP program, um, we have several m- businesses that are, you know, paying the renewal for other um, business members because they know that they're hurting. And um, and then I think just seeing how they support one another. You know, our nonprofits are really struggling. And so the businesses are trying to help them uh, weather the storm. And, um, and if if nothing else, it has definitely um, created this atmosphere in the community where they really care about small business. You know, we always say shop small and support your local businesses. But right now, I think everyone's on board with that because they've seen what the business has been through. And so as a chamber CEO, that's like, you know, that's like a dream come true. And I hope that it lasts. And I'm confident that it will. Even when things get back to normal, I think they'll still have a new appreciation for the small businesses in their community. So
1: it's uh, fascinating. Uh, what um, this is a final question. So you can edit all that. Um, so I'm thinking of the person that's of the maybe speak to the student, mm-hmm. and then also to you know the struggling business person mm-hmm. that might tune into this. But just what do you what do you want to say specifically to the student? maybe thinking of yourself in that, uh, that beginning role of taking something on or pursuing something. And then also just, um, what do you want your community to know?
2: Mm -hmm. Well, and I have a 16 year old right now, so it's not hard to put myself in that uh, state of mind. What I would say really to students that, um, you know, don't be discouraged if you have a job maybe that you don't like, because I think a lot, of, you know, maturing is figuring out what you don't want to do. Um, but I, you know, obviously I'm a big business nerd. So I watch like Shark Tank and The Profit and all these like business shows, Undercover Boss. And I listen to all sorts of podcasts about business. And so I think, you know, because there's so many avenues out there like that, you know, watch some of those things. Listen listen to this podcast. Listen to the different guests that come on here and see what sparks an interest and what you, what you feel a connection to. Um, and I would pursue that, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of things are going to look different. You know, I, I know that for some people, the college path is really, a um, because you know, so there's those few people who, you know, they've known since they were like five or six years old, they want to be a doctor or whatever. My daughter's like that. She's, you know, going to be a physical therapist here in a couple of years. And so, that is more of a linear path but that's not what everyone ends up doing. So for those people who, you know, f- feel like I don't know what I want to do with my life. You know, there's a lot of 50-year-olds I know that still don't know what they want to do with their life. So don't get discouraged. I guess would be my my uh, my main advice and 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 then pursue what you feel a connection to. And it it doesn't have to be anything that traditional. You know, I mean if you listen to some of these podcasts and you watch some of these shows, you realize you know someone just basically pursued their hobby and it became a career, and so I think you know, nothing's off the table
1: What about uh, businesses right now going through this? someday I mean this is gonna be over, but right now right. it's like it seems like um and I don't know how this is gonna you know this this episode is gonna age, but right now I can just it it feels like a long, dark winter is approaching.
2: Yeah, and we know that this newest regional stay-at-home order is at least for the next three weeks. So depending on when you're listening to this, you know, I guess if I could say anything to the business community, first of all, it would be thank you. You know, thank you for complying with all these rules that, you know, in a lot of cases the businesses don't agree with it. Our county's unique. You know, we do have a lot of cases, but we haven't had a lot of severe cases. We haven't had a lot of deaths like other counties have had. And yet our businesses have have complied and they have been patient and they have done the right thing. Um, and they have tried to keep their employees on. So first, you know, first thing I guess I would say would be thank you. And then I guess the, the as far as advice goes, I would just, um, you know, I would encourage, um, you know, businesses to know that, you know, we're, the Chamber's here to support them. All the elected officials, I've never seen all the different municipalities, the county, the state, you know, each city, I've never seen them all work together at this level before. They really are all working together to help businesses in any way that they can. A lot of cities are offering grants um, and doing, you know, whatever they can to help businesses. So I think that would be my advice is don't close. You know, I, I, it breaks my heart to hear of a business that I find out that they're closing once they've already closed. Like of those businesses that are in the danger zone, if they're in you're in that red zone and you're even considering closing, you know, call the chamber um, because we will do whatever we can to help you not have to close. But a lot of times, you know, once a business got one foot out the door, it's a lot of times by then it's too late to help. So, you know, if businesses are really struggling, they can reach out to the chamber. We'll do it. We'll try to put them in touch with all the resources that we have at our disposal to help them. And, you know, I guess if I'm thinking about the students again, I'm thinking I'm making being a business owner sound really scary and bad. <laughs> Because of COVID. Um, And I don't want to make it sound that way because I think working for yourself and being an entrepreneur and a business owner is actually, uh, you know, one of the best things you can, best type of career you can have. It's just a really unique time, you know, in our country and in the world.
1: Well, one of the things we want to encourage our listeners to do. Uh, Each episode is to identify some character traits in each guest speaker, and Mm -hmm. and I think um, it's the trials, it's the hardships that really both show what you're lacking, but also where your strength is, and that's what what really defines us, Mm -hmm. and you know prepares us for those. And I think that's really, I mean, this is most of us have never. Well, none of us have never been through anything like this. Right. So it's like uh, it's really testing our, our, you know, our our characters coming out. And uh, so those businesses that, that weather the storm, I mean, two of my clients are or have been in business for 30, 40, 50 years, you know, a long time. And it's um, you can see where their track record is coming into play right now and mm-hmm. h- how they're adapting how they're uh, you know adjusting and how they're surviving and and it's, it's really actually inspiring to to see that so
2: it is and that loyalty that the customers have you know that if they've been around for 30 or 40 years then they've built up this goodwill with their customers and and I would say that our you know I said I have a 16 year old I think our our You know, our young people, our high schoolers, and people in their early 20s that are going through this right now, they have been forced to have to adapt and pivot like no other generation, you know, at least in my lifetime, has had to do. And I think that's going to be so good for them because they're going to have this sort of can do attitude make it work, um, be flexible, um, think outside the box, do things in new ways, do, you know, work smarter, not harder. So I, I do think that, you know, they're going to have a really unique perspective coming out of this and into their future and i'm really excited to see what that generation does with that
1: thank you so much for agreeing to come in and and to be a part of our our podcast and this program it's just super uh to hear your perspective and to get the inside uh, inside baseball what's going on with uh with our community is
0: great thank you
2: yeah thanks for having me
0: yes um jocelyn um, since you have come on board the Chamber of Commerce um, has really grown under your leadership, and um, even before your leadership, when I when I had joined a number of years ago, I just thought it was a great group. And then with you coming and building on the previous successes, um, for those of you listening, if you are a business person and you're not involved in a chamber of commerce i would highly encourage you to do so because it's been um, great being a part and just getting to know one another so yeah thank you for being
2: here yeah thanks for having me thanks mark
3: thank you for listening the impulse forum is a production of social clicks digital marketing get your business dominating on the digital street the impulse forum podcast is sponsored by Ed Carey and Mega 97.1 FM, New Beginnings Church of the Nazarene, and Stacy Morse at Genome My Creative. A special thank you to our guest, Jocelyn Brennan at the South County Chambers of Commerce, creating partnerships and opportunities that ensure South County businesses prosper. This episode was hosted by Kevin Colton and Pastor Mark Valadez and produced by Tim Motter with original music by Kevin Colton and Tim Motter. Subscribe wherever you listen and email us at theimpulseforum at gmail.com to receive our newsletter. Pursue the Pulse today.